Okay. You know it, David? Uh, you want to recite it all out? Okay, so that's half of the verse, but thank you. Yeah, okay. Well, that, that's good enough. That's, uh, that kind of gives us the story. But what's happening here is, is that now God will begin to show us how he relates to people who were in the world, and he is taking them out of the world. And this is a lifelong uh, process for all of us who are believers uh, for we have been polluted by the world. We have problem with the flesh. We have been polluted by the world. And Satan and his kingdom stand as enemies. So because of this reality, we, uh, we are now um, looking at this story, which will give us uh, great insights in what's going on. Okay, it's working. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of G Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Now, it's very interesting how God is doing all these miracles in their midst. And both Pharaoh and the Israelites have some issues with Aaron and with the Lord and what's going on. What is one of the first things that we see as the Lord is preparing to take Israel out of Egypt? Or is preparing to take someone out of their land? The Lord is saying... I am the Lord. And one of the things that he's saying, you are in a society. Yes, they are probably at the pinnacle of civilization in those times. But guess what? You will have a new calendar. I wonder why God says, you're not going to have a calendar like the world. Do you guys know that for Christianity, it has only been Christians over the last 40, 50 years in some of the Western states of the world, they no longer follow a Christian calendar. Do you know that all the Christians for 2,000 years before you, they followed a Christian calendar? We must be better than the ones who have gone before us. Would you think we are? No, it's, it's an aspect of the world beginning to come in. Actually, uh, since I've come in the U.S. over the last 33 years, I have found that about 70% of the Christians, I mean, they, they had no clue that there was a Christian calendar. Now, obviously, there's some differences between a Catholic calendar and Orthodox Christian calendar and a Protestant. We are part of the Protestants. Baptists are part of the Protestant calendar. So we do have a calendar. Now, 
For the month of February, just since we're in February, there are two great events that a lot of the Christians will focus on the Christian calendar. One of the events is the baptism of Jesus. And the other event, which the Catholic Church calls Lent, but it's not really Lent the way the Catholic Church made it to be, or you understand it, because it demarks Jesus going into the wilderness for his 40 days of being tempted and being trialed. Now, as part of Jesus' baptism and going to Lent, you know, if you go to a to many churches in the past, if you're of Lutheran or Presbyterian or Methodist or, or EV Free or other places, you had what they call Ash Wednesday, right? That they practiced also in the month of, of uh, February. Why is Ash Wednesday so important? Ash Wednesday is so important because it is a declaration to God to say, you know, I'm coming to church because I fully realize that my heart is wicked and I'm in need of a deliverer. So I want to present myself and come out of that ashes. And as you declare that about your humanity and the condition that you're in and you're in need of a regeneration of God, out of those ashes that we sang, all those songs deal with uh, those aspects, is the priest will usually put in, with ash a cross on your forehead you know and if you're in some places you'll see people walking around you're like what what's wrong with those people you know and it, it's actually sometimes even a good place to begin a conversation but as we see here the lord is saying if you're my people i will be guiding the times and the seasons for you not the world but i will so he tells them this is the new year I know you've been going this year, but that's it. I'm changing it. Whether you like it or not, this is it. Now, do you know when this happened? Because it had happened, it happened again. A few thousand years later. What does BC stand for? Before Christ. And what does AD stand for? Year of our Lord, not after. No, no, that's, yeah, it's year of our Lord. Do you know that the spirit of the Antichrist is trying to eliminate that? We see hints of that. When was it challenged very hard in, in the history of the world? By the French Revolution. French Revolution came, it's supposed to be the seat of democracy. One of the things they said, we need to deal away with this before Christ and the year of our Lord. When was it spoken about again to be dealt with? And most of you were alive at that time. Most of you. Very recently, when people thought the end of the world was going to come because of the Y2K aspicade, the leaders of the world started speaking about, let's do away with the calendar, all those things, and change them again. Interestingly enough, uh, you know, whatever the father does, the enemy wants to corrupt, and he uses the world. And we see that here as well, the French Revolution, the Y2K. Interestingly enough here, the year 
for the Jews began in September. Now, because of this, the year for the Jews will begin in March slash, you know, late March, April. And now you will see why, uh, you know, Christmas is not really Christmas. If we are to pa parallel the Passover lamb with who is our Passover lamb? Jesus Christ, and it's by no mistake that people, uh, you know, sick about two-thirds of the scholars say he was born in April, and about two-thirds of the scholars say uh, late August, September, which is exactly the two periods that are taken in check right here. Now, yes, we put them in December to kind of snuff out and to kill a worldly religion, what, what we consider as the church the most demonic uh, 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 an unworldly uh, festival that happened in Europe at that time. But nonetheless, the Lord is also Lord over our calendar. And if you look at the Christian calendar, it's very Christ-centered because he looks at his birth, he looks at uh, Easter, he looks at his baptism, he looks at his transfiguration and so forth. And every month... People who in the past didn't have a Bible, didn't know how to read, they meditated and they spoke about this with their kids in their homes. You know, you say, well, who cares about them? I'm kind of disconnected from them. I live in the very modern world. We may, and we may even have the Bible, but does it really mean that it has impacted our calendar? Interestingly enough, the Lord says, yes, I am the Lord over your calendar, and you shall do this. Tell the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. Now, this is the time and place where People are not in good relations with one another. The Egyptians are not looking with favor at the Hebrews. The Hebrews, vice versa. But we're also looking at the people who were slaves there. How did Moses get to marry an Ethiopian lady? There were other people besides the Hebrews who were slaves. What do you think happened to those slaves during those times? They proselytized. You will see that this becomes an issue when he will marry the Ethiopian lady later on. A lot of those, and that's why they're such a big nation. You say, wow. So you're trying to tell me that Israel began to be composed by more than just, yes. You know, some Egyptians left with them, some slaves left with the Egyptians. Hmm. Interestingly enough, the Lord says, but you now, while there's all this division, you have to come together. There's an aspect when God tries to purify you and tries to make you holy that the world will try to do the opposite. Division, 
gossip, rebellion. But the command of the Lord is to do what? Come together. Interestingly enough, when the Lord will want to refine you and do something to bless you, the human reaction is to bring the vision. God's reaction says, go take a lamb. What does that mean? Center on Christ. Center on Christ and then come together under that reality. Look to the lamb. And this is such a beautiful aspect that when we live in the world, you may be challenged by the things of the world. You may agree with some of the things of the world. You may wrestle with some of them. You call Jesus your Lord and Savior. The beautiful response of what the Lord is saying here, whenever you're challenged this way, look at the slain lamb. Is this a reality that we see very powerful later on? I mean, I don't even have to go that far, but we have to go to the Revelation, uh, to the book of Revelation. And interestingly enough, in the turmoil of judgment coming, what is the picture of our Lord in the heavenly places? A slain lamb. John is crying. The, the, the angelic people are upset. They don't know who's going to open the scroll. But the slain lamb shows up. How can we people, how can people be brought together? By the broken life of Christ and the love that only he can express. As we look in Bible and as I looked at scriptures, knowledge is like bricks. And knowledge is very good because you need bricks to build a holy house and a holy temple within us and here in our midst. But can you just put stones and bricks over each other? Will that hold? So the material that we use is cement sometimes, or mortar, or... Do you know the image of what God calls that cement? Love. Love. Love and grace is the material that needs to go between those bricks. Now, you know, I'm, I'm giving you bits of information that are here, not here, but the Lord has a picture and has a plan... And this is why he discloses this. This is actually a story of love. And it's only the love of Christ that will help you fight against things that are divisive. Nothing else can help you. No power of your human mind. No analytical. Not, nothing else can help you. And this is why the Lord tells them, go take a lamb. No discussions, no need for interpretation, no opinions required. Tell, gives, them, gives them clear direction about, hey, this is not just individualistic. If the lamb is too big for your household and you can't eat it, this is also for 
their next door neighbor. Saying, up until now you each had households and you each did it alone. You can't really be part of Christ and in him if that doesn't extend to your neighbor. And there may be people who say, you know what? We're doing well, but I don't know about the rest of the people in the church, but at least we're doing well. I have news for you. We're only as good as the hurting or most disturbed people in our churches. We're only as good as them. And that pain and that reality needs to be with us as well. See, if you look around, there's people who are hurting. There's people who go through challenges. And that's why we fast and we pray for one another. And that's why we intercede to the Lamb. But the covering of the grace of God is more than just you and your family. And that's beautiful to see here that both individual and familial aspects uh, bring the community of God together here in him. <coughs> and if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, and shall make your count for the lamb. Now, there's, an, uh, there's a lot of lambs available. It doesn't say that you will run out of lambs. But the Lord says, don't use more than what is needed. Now, I'm not trying to bring Calvinism into the place. And, and you know, people say, well, Jesus only died for the elect or redeemed, right? It's, it shows us here that there's an endless supply, but... Christ is only truly available for those who come under what reality? Action, obedience, right? People could, could they had knowledge. No, if you were an Egyptian and you said, this is what the Jews are doing. I see how they had light and we had darkness. I see how their livestock survives and ours didn't. How we had lice on us and they didn't. How the flies didn't bother them, but it bothered us. Could they take a lamb and follow suit? Yes, they could. Do you think God honored them as well if they did that? Yes, he did. Hmm. Hebrews 7.26, For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. First Peter 1.18.19, he says, we were ransomed with the not with perverse things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Verse twelve five says, "Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats." 
First Corinthians 5 tells us that Christ is our Passover lamb. Interesting love, the Corinthians weren't Jews. What does this mean? I first came to the house of Israel. Right? The woman says, but even the dogs lick the breadcrumbs. They come. Guess what happens? The Jews realize, wow, the sacrificial lamb of God is so big, my neighbor needs it. They're in Corinth, they're in Ephesians, they're in Ephesus, they're in Rome. question to you and I is how small or little is your sacrificial lamb are you starving and things are still troublesome at home or is there more that others benefit from it did you ever think about that because people can go to the market and they can say you know what I'm only going to take what's good enough for me and my family or this is too small, but at least we'll finish it and we'll each have a little piece. Because, you know, we're frugal. Or we'll get a bigger one. It's interestingly enough for us to say, well, how big is your Passover lamb? Or does this not relate to our Passover lamb? Do you wonder why Jesus is bigger for others than some others? I thought he's the same. Yes, he's the same because he's without sin. He's spotless, he's blameless. But why others have something to give away from him and others are still in need? Interesting concept that even in real life was present there for them to understand. For us, it is sin in a different way and measure. Hmm. The Passover lamb, I guess, it might be different. And you shall keep it until the 14th day. Now, why would you take care of a lamb. Do you know that it's much harder to eat your pet than if you don't know that it's your pet? <laughs> I remember when I was a little boy, my grandma bought a chicken from the market and uh, my two cousins took care for a day and then the next day she said, oh, I don't think he's doing, uh, you know, it's not, not going to be going wrong. I'm just going to cut it off. And she took it, put him, chopped the head off and and they could not touch it and eat it. <laughs> but there's, there's something here that's both to familiarize, but also to give us incredible, incredible prophetic word for our Lord. For how many days was our Lord under trial? When did the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes, four, four days before he was declared 
innocent by. Hmm, interesting enough, but that's, that's the case for us is you need this time with Jesus. You need this time with Jesus to truly know him for who he is and make a declaration. You need Jesus to do what? To take away your sin. You need Jesus to do what? To begin to take the things of the world and remove them from your midst. So now I wonder why if I see that with Jesus because we're spoiled because we know what Jesus does. I have no doubt that the leaven's going to come up in the story. Because that represents the removal of sin. Hmm. Interesting enough. The 14th day of this mind, the whole assembly, the congregation shall kill their lambs at twilight. Very interesting. Before this Easter comes, you should have a very sobering time. Because when we have our, our Friday night, uh, Good Friday service, do you know what that means? That you are at perfect peace. That you are touching the lamb and that it's your sin that's killing Jesus. And you need him. So when you come to church on Good Friday, it is because you're presenting the Passover lamb. You, you realize that my sin needs to kill God's son. I've been around him. He's perfect. He's spotless. So he can take my place. This is the weight that awaits us. And this is what is really saying to us. You shall kill him. So don't say, oh, the Jews killed him. My sin killed Jesus Christ. Your sin killed Jesus Christ. And that's the reality for which you have to begin to converse and speak and let it change you and move you and begin to be what? The beginning of your life. Many people will say, well, I was born... And they'll give you the date. But for us in Christ, where does our life begin? At the foot of the cross. Hmm, interestingly enough, we were born, yet we have new life from the foot of the cross where I killed my Savior. Doesn't sound too great. Shall kill their lambs at twilight. What is twilight? So if six is when the sun, the sun set, 3 p.m. Look at the detail. What happens at 3 p.m. when Jesus is on the cross? It's unbelievable, the parallels. And I'm not even focusing on that. The great detail of God's sovereignty to present to us 
the upcoming truth of, of who he is and his love. This is how important this is. Then they tell, take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. What happens when you look at a door, the lintel and the two doorposts? What happens when you mark them? Yeah, you can have two crosses. If you just do one, you'll have one. If you do both, you'll have two crosses. It's, a, it's visible and plain. But the cross had yet to happen. We will go down when Jesus says, when God says, build me a temple. And, you know, it starts with a tabernacle or a tent. And then they have to move on this journey through the desert. Guess how they move? The, 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 the temple and the Levites are right at the core. Most of the people are in the front. Then they add some in the back and some to the sides. If you're above where Balaam was trying to curse Israel, he's looking at Israel. What shape does that? Think about this. Center is the tabernacle. A lot of people in the front, some people to the left and right, you know, and a little bit in the back. If you look from above, what shape is that? Why are they there? Because of the Passover lamb. The Lord says, remember it forever. Hmm. But anyway, unless you eat of my body and drink of my blood, you shall have no part in me. Interestingly enough, it is holy. All of it has to be consumed. If you look at the Jewish bread, it is so interesting. Have you seen the matzah? What are two characteristics when you look at a matzah? Striped and holes. Who was striped and pierced? You're laughing. But I think it's such a powerful sign from back then to Christ, even to now. And look at the blindness of many of them as they take the matzah. It's striped and it's punctured. Unless you eat of my... And they're still blind to it. What does that mean? There's no life apart from me, from the calendar, to what you eat, to what preserves you, to who I am. It is all a disclosure of God. Israel was testifying to their cross on their doorposts, were walking with the cross sign. 
And they rejected the cross of Jesus Christ. They're eating the striped bread with the punctured holes. Let me tone it down. We may be Christians and reading and knowing some of those things. But does it mean that we truly accepted them and made a change in our life? Because do you think the Jews, when they looked at the doorpost, do you think they could see the sign? They could see it was a cross, but they never realized it. They could see that they moved as a cross, but it didn't associate with Christ. They said, what made us put stripes and holes into the matzah because it's associated with christ it's in the same way that god we may be reading we may be hearing but it doesn't mean that sometimes we truly have it in our own life do not any of it raw or boiled but roasted its head and its legs and its inner parts funny thing is you know i i wonder about this do you know that lamb smells? And goat too. God didn't even ask them if they like it or not. You're laughing, but what about what I like? Doesn't he care about what I like? Hello? It smells bad. And then to eat the legs, their tough meat with tender inner parts. Have you had lungs before? Menudo, the intestine lining. I like that, actually. <laughs> None of it shall remain till the morning. Why at night? You are in the dark and your darkness will be transformed into light. And who's making the darkness light? Jesus. I mean, literally, you, you know, I, I, I passed so much, I could have preached for a year up till now. At all the symbolism that it's in there, the weight of this passage to you and I. Just taking everyone and beginning to move with it. And you shall let none of it remain till the morning. Everything that remains you shall burn. In this matter you shall eat it with your bell fastened. Your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. That means you can only use one hand to eat. Well, how do you use the fork and the knife with one hand? And you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. What, what, what is it doing? First, you are a... What does it tell us? People who come out of the world, they no longer are tied into their possessions because they are travelers in this world. So it is to those people that the Holy Spirit speaks to, to, to us through First Peter. He says, you are alien sojourners. People put those things as not of this world, right? 
It's to set the mentality for us. One of the things why my wife always wants a house, and I say, I don't want a house. Because I can't pay for it, and I don't want a loan to tie me up. Because what if tomorrow the Lord says, go to Asia and be a missionary? I don't want a loan to keep me here because I, I have an unpaid home. I don't want that because I'm not Lord and it's not my liking and my options that rule this life or guide me through this life. So we have some interesting conversations about that, as you can imagine. We are a movement of God. And it's not even about that. The Lord says it's not about those things, even though you should do them. It's the Lord's passing. What is, she say, what is he saying? You're doing this because your life is now centered on what I'm doing. And I, because I'm passing, this is how you respond. And this is the beautiful aspect that I want to challenge you as a Christianese. Everything in your life should be a response to what God is doing. That includes your, your, your home, your buying, your decisions, your going, your calendar. It's that centeredness in Christ. That's why when, you, when I came here, you asked me, well, what, what it's... What are you going to do if you come here? I said, well, there's four aspects about a healthy church. Scripture grounded, Christ-centered. Now, when you get scripture grounded, is not you don't find as much resistance because people say, yeah, I guess we have to listen to what God says. The problem is many people don't like it if you try to show them that they're not Christ-centered because they think they are. And boy, do you know what happens when you tell them you need to be spirit-filled? Some will say, well, what does that look like? What does that mean? And then you, say to, you have to say, well, gospel-driven. If those four parts are present, you usually find a healthy church. Scripture-grounded, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, and gospel-driven. But here we see, I'm doing this and you're responding. I'm great we cut to this place because my question is, what is God doing in our midst? And how are we responding? I hope it's not gossiping. I hope it's not division. I hope it's not your ideas. There's a response. I hope it's not that you don't like lamb. Opinions. God makes it very simple. He doesn't ask for my opinion or yours. What is the Lord doing? Well, here he is passing. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn of the land, both man and beast, and all of the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgments, I am the Lord. 
the blood shall be a sign for you on your houses where you are. And when I see the blood. It doesn't say, well, it's because Mikey and his household deserve it. So I let them live. I let, I let the first son live. It doesn't say that. It says, when I see the, when I see Jesus in your life, when I see his blood covering you, let me ask you, do you want to be Christ-centered? Is that the witness about who you are and your family? When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Who strikes the land of Egypt? God does. Later on, he'll say, the destroyer, God is sovereign. Even what the destroyer does, he cannot do it without God's approval. I hate to say this to you. Jesus said, in this life you will have troubles, trials, and tribulations. Now you will see the Passover lamb, which is not being taught in our churches. One of the biggest reasons why Jesus died is so we won't go through the judgment that's to come. You think life is bad now? Oh, my goodness. Horrible. Terrible things will come about. This is nothing. This is not. The, this is nothing to what, what what will be. Things are not going to get better. Death ain't terrifying to what's coming. But, but. The blood of the Lamb is beautiful. It shall be a sign. Now, you know that the liberals say 4 million people went out of Egypt. The conservatives say 1.5 to 2 million people. Guess how many of those who put their sign on the houses made it to the promised land? 40,000. That's a small number from millions. There's a journey ahead. There's a journey ahead. And the Lord will give us in great detail that journey until they get to the promised land. Now for us, the church who mirrors Israel, what is our promised land? What do we call it? It starts with H and it ends with N. Heaven. There's a journey ahead. This day shall be for you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord. Throughout your generations as a statue forever, you shall keep it as a feast. That's why I was troubled because you told me you hadn't had the Lord's Supper for so long. In your church. It's a statue forever. 
Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, as we talked about the sin. On the first day you shall remove lemon out of your houses. For if anyone eats what is leavened from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from, the, from, from Israel. Well, if they already have the blood on the, on the post, why can't they eat leaven? Well, don't think this is different from us. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Right? Grace, that blood is a, is a protective grace. By no means. How can we who die to sin still live in it? This is Romans 6, 1 and 2. Yes, you may know the Lord. Yes, His blood is over you. Have you died to sin? Is the sanctification process of the Lord to eliminate sin? The Lord tells me as a pastor that I have to present Grandview how? Spotless, blameless, and holy before the Lord. But you know what that means? People in the church won't like me. Try to go to a Christian and tell them they're not Christ-centered. They'll be ready to crucify you. They crucify the Lord. And on the first day you shall hold a holy assembly. On the seventh day of holy assemblies. No work shall be done in those days, but whoever... Uh, but everyone who needs it, that alone may be prepared to you. This also puts the unleavened bread. This gives them the calendar. I'll move down to verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans and kill the Passover lamb. God speaks to Moses. God speaks to Moses. Moses speaks to the elders. The elders help them implement what needs to be done. Leadership comes to the prophetic. Oversight within the body of Christ comes through the elders. In the right design, God needs to speak and people need to be brought together by the oversight of the elders to do and to understand what God is doing in our midst. Without that design, it will be chaotic in the church. Twenty-three, for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door, and I will not and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Again, by blood and not by merit, this happens. 
by grace. You shall observe this right as a statue for you and your house sounds forever. And when you come in the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep the service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say to them, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover, for he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians but spared our houses, and the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the people of Israel went and did so as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. So they did. The life that has been before the Passover lamb will have a personal testimony. How can you not have a personal testimony when you touched the Son of God, confessed your sin, died to sin because of his life, and see the result of a changed life? Now, I know you weren't there on Wednesday nights. I expressed to you guys how that regeneration, that re rebirth happened in my own life before I even knew the mental concept of being born again. I later found out that you are born again once you're in Christ after I had experienced it in my own life at 10 years old. That is the power of the sacrificial lamb at work. There's nothing that will no longer pull you away from the cross of Christ. It will be a beautiful thing not a chore when the Lord says, if you want to follow me, deny self, pick up your cross and carry me. And you begin to identify not only the problem of self, but what your cross is and what you will have to carry. And the load that comes with the Lord and the burden that comes with it. And as you walk with the Lord, it becomes light. And that is the journey that you and I, you and I today are in the wilderness. We're in the world and we're carrying and our witness is in how we carry that cross. So just on the doorpost, we don't start painting our houses, but you have a witness. Why? Because the, you're carrying the cross of Christ wherever you go. And the witness of that reality. Why are you like that, Al? Alan, AJ, why are you like that? Alice, why? Because of the cross of Christ. That's where my new life began. That's why I'm this way now. That's why I choose to do this. That's why, because my heart is here. Because I'm focusing here. This is where my heart is. This is where my life is. In the potter's hand. 
Now, if you knew about God, you can be here like an Egyptian coming to church or like another slave. And my, you know, my parents brought me to church. But I want to ask you is, have you selected your lamb? Have you made that touch to say, you know what? I don't deserve it. I don't have a merit. And I know that death is all around me. Have you seen a person who has been born and, you know, they're going to die one day? That's pretty plain and obvious. Have you selected your lamb? Is Jesus Christ your lamb who takes away your sin and comes out of the grave? Have you started your journey? Have you made that confession of your journey? And then for the rest of us who have, how is the witness of the sacrificed lamb now shining? How is the provision of the broken lamb feeding those who need the Lord. Because some of us are more fat than others. Physically, but spiritually, it goes the same way. That's why I, I, I encourage you, please attend Sunday school so you can be fed. So you can feed others. Come to fellowship for you to have an opportunity to say to people, this is how big Jesus is for me. I'm coming so I can feed others. Come this Wednesday and feed others as the Lord feeds you. We'll have an open time to share and to speak about this reality. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are sovereign. That even the destroyer does not do anything outside of your command. That you are Lord. And you care about the details of our life. That you renew everything about us, including some of the simplest things that we take for granted. Lord, today we're asking strongly, Lord, what are you doing here? And our answer, Lord, is we're coming. We're coming to the sacrifice lamb. That's what we're doing here. We're gathering, Lord, before you, Jesus, to listen to what you have to do or have to say. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You were my strength when I am weak. You were the treasure that I seek. You were my all.